0: False Bottom Girls guides listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson, and I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing Company in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm also an advanced Cicerone. Hi,
1: I'm Jen Blair. I'm the Beer Quality and Education Manager for Orpheus Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. And welcome to our podcast. Guten Tag, everyone and welcome to this episode of false bottom girls that's rachel that's jen and we went to motherfucking munich every day yeah, we did
0: <laughs> 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 ah, disclaimer husband's a pilot first class and we did not pay for first class <laughs> right yes yes we are uh, not this, this this we do not have that many patrons this podcast is not doing that for us. Don't worry. Your money's <laughs> right. going to sensible things.
1: <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we went, um, when this podcast episode comes out, it'll be the end of January, so mid-January, Rachel and I went to Munich, Bavaria, Germany awesome. for two and a half days. For fun. For fun just Another for fun fun the week before Rachel texted me one night and said I have a fun idea let's do a zoom <laughs> call tomorrow and I was just like okay I'm cautious but okay and we get on the zoom call and Rachel's like do you want to go to Munich next week <laughs> and oh, there was I the- in true gen form, in true gem form, <laughs> just start crying. And I was like, "Wait, why? What did I do?
0: What did I do?" I and a good like, part. "Don't cry. Why are you crying?" <laughs> 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 I really wasn't expecting that. Although I know I should have known better. Yes. Yeah. Crier. Um, yes,
1: I am a crier, and I was overwhelmed, and had just like the week before was reading. I was reading in a um, in Food and Wine. Somebody had done an article about Munich and you know Bavaria and different things you could do while you were there. And I like went downstairs and was like, "Tom, we have to go to Munich. We need to go to Bavaria. Like, I want to go anyway." But this article, like
0: this article, this, this would the be deal. so cool. And little
1: <laughs> little did I know that like two weeks later,
0: I would be in Munich. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was so excited. I was like hanging out that night the night before with my husband and I was like jenna and i we just need to go do something i was like and i was like thinking small which was silly of me I, I never think small <laughs> and i was just like yeah maybe we just like go here or something i was like wait husband where is charlotte flying to overseas one stop because as a wife of an airline pilot." There's a lot of games you play when you want to go travel. Now, Jeff and I are very lucky. We can fly if there's open seats for free. Well, we pay a little bit of taxes. It's not expensive. Um, So, you know, for trips like to freaking Munich, it really, it's really, uh, really nice, but not everywhere. So like in this wintertime, there's only like two flights that are out of Charlotte one way to Europe and they really expand in the uh, summertime. So our options were London or Munich. And I was like, well, Munich, duh. I mean, London would be cool, but Munich, duh. And I and then he's just looked up the flight loads because he can do that too. And he's like, there's like 400 seats open on this flight. And I'm like, well, sign us up. <laughs> and then then we, we book it all in secrecy. Like, I'm not even sending any reporting her like her itinerary because it all says like first class, first class. And like, no, gonna surprise her. So I'm like, not sending her anything like to like the night before. I'm like, here's your record locator. Blah blah, and then I have my phone on, trying to get the action surprise shot, and she's just like, "Oh yes, this is my seat right here, first class. This is where I will be sitting. Yep, that's my bed. That's my bed. Yep." So I was like, "I was like, well, Jeff, there's no action shot, but she's excited." It was very nice, though. It was very yeah. It
1: it, yeah, that was awesome, and that was a very that was a much appreciated and awesome surprise because I have flown from europe in coach and it's fine i can do it oh like we we'll take it
0: yeah
1: exactly like, I'll take don't it. get yeah. us wrong like we were still <laughs> going to
0: munich whether first class was open or not
1: <laughs> right right exactly yeah and also because we had a couple of people um in various ways like many like passive aggressively freak out on us about traveling Um, additional information for both of us, Rachel and I are both vaccinated and boosted. And, um, we understand the pandemic is real. We make sure that we wear our masks everywhere anyway, no matter what. And, uh, we had to, um, to go. So we were, we're both vaccinated, boosted. And in Germany right now, you need to wear the, the equivalent of a KN95 mask everywhere, to go in anywhere, you have to show your proof of vaccination. And then we also had to get a negative COVID test before we came back to the United States. Uh, And it was really refreshing to be somewhere that um, isn't the American South where people (laughs) take it seriously. And it was like, I think it was like maybe our second day there or something, I saw somebody inside without a mask. And it kind of surprised me because everyone there is just Wearing yeah. their mask like they're supposed to and showing their vaccinations like they're supposed to. And it's not a big deal. Um, so, yeah, so just for if you're yeah. clutching your pearls about us traveling,
0: welcome to your new reality. Yes. Yeah. COVID is not going anywhere. We're all going to learn how to live with <laughs> it. Jen and I right. have also never caught COVID. Correct. So, yes. we do take it seriously, but at the same time, go travel, especially right now to Munich because no one's there. It's yeah, so cheap. That
1: was the, the <laughs> great, the really good thing about it. Like we, you know, we knew it was going to be cold. And as people who are now in the American South, we are Southern babies where like 50 degrees is cold, but I do find it's kind of like going to Chicago when you know that the weather's going to be cold, you can prepare to that for that. And we've both been in cold weather before. Oh yeah. <laughs> like we understand it. Uh, so- it was that bad. you know it really wasn't and we spent quite a bit of time walking around outside but you know you have the the proper coat and hat and whatever yeah and and, like you know totally
0: fine four beers deep pretty soon into the day (laughs) you're staying. you're staying pretty cozy yes yes German like like I say German but like cities that are natural like just get so cold like that they are so good at keeping you warm, almost too like an annoyance. Mm-hmm. Like you go in, you're like, oh my God, I so get all this stuff off of me right now. Right. And then everything follows with, I'm sorry, I'm American. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's, that is a really good point. And that's something that like when I lived in Chicago or, you know, yeah. I grew up in the Midwest that particularly when you're in the South and like you get any kind of Weather, inclement weather, like everybody freaks out. I seriously think the city of Atlanta has owns four snow plows. Oh, I know. Um, so a lot of times when you're like us, you're in the American South, you aren't dealing with infrastructure that can handle things like cold weather, which is fine because it's a very yeah. rare event. Some place like Chicago or Munich, they have that weather all the time. They're very well equipped to deal with all of it because I was like oh I need to take my snow boots because it might snow a couple days while we're there and then you get into a city and it's like no everybody everybody knows how to take care of snow
0: yeah so it's not a big deal it actually so well it just doesn't even snow there yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah
1: so we flew in we flew overnight so we got there on Wednesday morning and in a stroke of genius Rachel already had our hotel room ready for us so we could go we checked yeah. in the hotel at like 9
0: a.m. Yeah. And uh I've suffered after- enough Europe trips to know Yes, <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we, you know, got up to our room, unpacked, and then went to sleep for like three or four hours. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, it was great because then we woke up, we're like, okay, like lunchtime, and we had a tour of spotten at four PM that we were that was really our only thing for the day. So we kind of walked around for a little while and went to the Augustiner Keller, which is Mm. one of the Augustiner kind of breweries. So, you know, one thing in Germany is you might have like several like polliner. Yes. Like uh, restaurants, restaurants, brew pubs kind of thing. Um, So this was one of the Augustiner ones. And when we walked in, Rachel was like, oh my God, there's a beer garden right there. And we were like, it's a beer garden. And you know, we've seen beer gardens in America before yeah. right? and uh but then being there it's like oh my god and so we're walking around uh, and everything's shut down because it's like yeah 1 p.m on a wednesday in the middle of january uh, but yeah then in the back there were some people um it wasn't curling i don't remember what it's yeah called, it was like but this it's where uh, you're using
0: the curling disc kind of like bocce oh you know the game sorry yeah so that's what they looks like to me sorry pieces Yes. Like there yes. like, it was like a big thing of ice, like butch, like a uh, curling would be on. And then there had different sorry pieces that they were pushing back and forth. Yes. And yes. it was real German people in a real German beer garden. Yeah, real exactly. German beer. Yeah. Real they all had pieces. like liters
1: of beer and we're just hanging out. And um, one thing that was, I mean, I'm, I'm self-conscious when I travel someplace to be like, that American who doesn't speak the language and expects everyone to like speak English or cater to them. Um I don't exactly I, I like I shouldn't say don't exactly I don't expect that. But yeah. I also like now and Rachel and I even talked about this the like having your phone. Oh yeah. And being able to look things up and translate things. Like when I was growing up you obviously you didn't have that. And so no. if you were going to go someplace like Munich, you needed to speak the language you know, in some form or fashion, you needed to be able to communicate, you need to be able to read maps and all of that stuff. And you don't, for better or worse, you don't have to do that now. But I don't think we were in any situation where somebody either didn't speak English, or we weren't able to communicate. And particularly someplace like Germany, a lot of people speak English as a second language. Yeah. Um, so most everyone we encountered was happy to speak English yeah. with us. Um, as soon as they realized, and like Rachel said, like our refrain throughout the entire trip was, sorry, I'm American. <laughs> um, which most people were like, Yeah, we get it. Well, <laughs> we
0: even <know. laughs> we even met a British guy at one point who said, sorry, I'm British. And I was like, see? Yeah. It works for everyone.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Uh but yeah, that was really um, and that was also my experience when I was in Belgium, is that, you know, oh yeah. A, I think it's a great detriment to people in the United States that they don't know other languages. In Europe, a lot of people do know English, so don't let not knowing the language be a barrier to you traveling somewhere. Now, of course, if you got outside of Munich and into some of the smaller towns, you might run into a little bit bigger of a problem. But I mean, I think even in the United States, we've all communicated with somebody who if they, you know, they might not speak English or they might speak very broken English, you can still communicate with them. Um, but everybody we spoke to was, you know, was more than happy to just immediately switch to English, or if we needed to, we could just, you know, point at what yeah. we wanted on the menu. And we even joked about like, you know, day two Americans in Germany being like, "Donka, Donka, <laughs> Donka." <laughs>
0: it's so true (laughs) well you're also we're also in a tourist city so you know right and we're
1: doing tourist things and that was something that like when I was looking at oh what should we do in Munich I mean obviously a huge reason why we wanted to go there is because of things like Spaten and Augustiner and I totally get it's kind of like if you're going to St. Louis you know and you go to the Anheuser-Busch plant um, like that's totally cool you know that's that's what we're there to do and for us that is the authentic experience and you know it's obviously a big tourism thing uh but it was still like fun to do that stuff we were like well we're tourists and specifically we're beer tourists so we definitely wanted like search out some of the smaller like craft places but like when we get to go on a private tourist button we're going on a private tourist (laughs) button
0: (laughs) did you notice the word private like we are going we 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 did um well, I say we, I, I did beg for this tour. So we were like, <laughs> don't have for it. No, they were, they were, uh, when you look at the websites and most of the breweries are like, no, F you, COVID. We're like, yeah, you get it. And they the but Spartan was like, we do tours Wednesday nights at six. And I was like, what? And I was like, well, Jen, that's the day we're going to be there. And then I emailed them. They're like, well, actually this week we're doing it on Saturday. I was like, no, please do it on Wednesday for us. I will pay you. They're like, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, all right. So then we got to meet up with Martin, who does strictly tours there, part-time. He's also a student. And he was great. He showed a us A student every-
1: at vine Hinstefaner.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Brewing student. Fuck, we really fucked that up. Side story. So Martin was really cool. Really cool. He was hanging out, and we were, like, talked him into hooking us up with tours of vine Funner and Hoffbrow. So... He, like, makes a couple phone calls, and he's like, okay, for Vines Stefaner, go to their info page and send him an email saying, Jonas is going to hook you up. I was like, all right, done. Did it. Didn't hear back. Didn't hear back the next day. Um, we couldn't make Hofbrau, like, happen in time with, like, his friend, like, before the day was over. So I was like, man, that sucks. It didn't work out. But, oh, well, we got to see spot and blah, blah, blah. go home to the United States. Like, two days ago, I decided to look at my spam info folder. And there is a response from Vice Father. But also like ah so sorry Jen. Like <laughs> I wasn't even going to tell her at so I was so ashamed. But then yeah, well and we had this com-
1: we were like it's really weird we haven't heard back from them because yeah. like he this- called they're and Germans, his they really yeah. nice. <laughs> and his friend was like do this and I'm the one doing the tour and we were like okay and then it was like it's so weird we haven't heard back from them. Ah, oh,
0: kicking myself though. But yeah,
1: so Spotton was awesome it was super cool and it was good because you know he's he's a beer person he's a brewing student and when we started the tour we were like hey we're beer people we don't need to you don't need to explain brewing process to us like we get it you can kind of skip over all of that part of the tour which was you know he was like okay great so then it was a little more um like we got to see the museum with like the original coppers and things like that and then got to go like down into the cellars so oh so cool the cellars like the we're going to invent logger spot and cellars, which you don't normally get to do on like on the public yeah. tours. so we took us down there
0: i don't know why though because it seems like it's set up for like like a little museum almost down there
1: yeah they do have some stuff down there um but that was super cool to just be in there and be like these are the cellars. These yeah. are the cellars underneath Munich that we learned about. And this is how bottom fermented yeast got selected. And all of their um, barrels and everything had like these really ornate carvings on them. It was just super cool. I mean, it was even yeah. as Rachel and I were like walking into the visitor center. We're both just like elbowing yeah. each other. Like this is amazing. Like we did it. We got Yeah,
0: <laughs> Jen took some really cool pictures that we'll post like on the comments of the episode or something. Of like yeah. the the big um, barrels, like huge, huge barrels that they used to sell their, their beer in. Like we could f- we could have a little home inside of them, right? They're so yes. big.
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, they. Um, that was really really cool. We got to see the packaging line, which anytime you can see a big operations packaging line, is just really pretty.
0: Yeah. fantastic to see.
1: Um, and we tried to see if somebody would let us into the lab so we could see like their sensory stuff and their lab set up. But I don't know if, it didn't seem like anyone was there but maybe they just artfully yeah. made it look that way. Um, cuda, because cuda we were all that- like face <laughs> to the window, <laughs> like faces pressed against the the windows looking in. And uh, like if I were somebody in that lab, I would very quickly duck down <laughs> under <Yeah>. a bench <laughs> yeah. and just wait uh, a few minutes and hope that I didn't have to make <laughs> eye contact with anybody. Um, and, and yeah, and then got to hang out for a couple of hours. I mean, really it was, pro- yeah, it was a good two hours just drinking beer with our tour guide and, you know, just talking about beer. And at one point, one of the rooms we were in had all of the portraits of the Siedelmeyer family in them. And, you know, he's like, oh, well, this is, um, Gabriel Siedelmeyer, the, the elder and Gabriel Siedelmeyer, the younger. And I was like, bop, 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 bop. But I know who I'm looking at. I was nicer than that about <laughs> it, but I was like, oh, I'm aware of the Siedelmeyer family. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and as we were talking about it, of course, we brought up the logger book, our favorite book. Naturally. And as it turns out, Martin, our tour guide, helped translate a lot of the spotten text for Mark Dredge, the author of that book. And so that was really cool to, you know, to say like, well, we all, we know all of this stuff because of this one book. And he was like, I'm the one who translated that stuff for that book. Um, So yeah, that was, that was truly an awesome experience to just kind of be, you know, there was some tour guide stuff, but then we could be like, okay, what's this specifically though? Or can we see that? And, you know, and have, having him be very the um, very accommodating of all of that and that's that's always nice when beer people you know people who are passionate about beer yeah. meet other people who are passionate about beer and it's you know you're not you're not only a tour guide giving the rote script you're yeah. just hanging out
0: with other people exactly who Andy like t- drinking beer and they took us on top of like like the I guess a, the tower the building the spot building like one Mm -hmm. of the one of the many buildings they have so we got to have like this nice tap room up there and it was dark at that time so it had outside balcony we got to see this really awesome view of the city Mm -hmm. Uh, was so cool and so spotten and francis connor lohenbrow are all one brewery now right so they are all there together at that one location and i think they said they brew the most francis connor like the the beer they brew the most was francis connor was like the most popular in the city and another thing that was kind of interesting to find out, we were talking to just a local who pointed out to us that, and this could be a personal opinion, but he said that Polliner was like the least liked beer in all of Munich. Right. Like and everyone's Augustiner like, oh, was the top. yeah, Augustiner was the top. Everyone loves Augustiner and Polliner, you know, forget Polliner. He's like, that's like your Bud Light. I was like, okay, all right, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That was a little tidbit to, yeah. to learn. Didn't know. Didn't right. know. Another interesting thing. Um which makes sense but it's something I never thought of so like we all when we're learning about the German Munich breweries we all learned that they have to be within the Munich walls well a lot of these breweries since they've grown and gotten so big are actually outside of the walls now of the Munich city center if you will which is like not that far it's just oh yeah duh you can't just like have all of this mass production and beer in this like little area (laughs) right right exactly so it was yeah, really fun that, that
1: was our oh and then we wrap that up with dinner at the schneider schneider Weiss, um uh, Hall yes. restaurant that's right on the edge of the vittles market which is a giant open-air marketplace that um is you know in in like old town munich everything is just really like right there yeah together and it's one of those things about Europe that you really don't get in the United States. Like sometimes you do in older cities, but like it's not as old. Yeah. But you'll just be walking, and it's like, oh, here's a church from the 1200s that's here. Yeah. <laughs> we find so out yeah, the um, next day. <laughs> right. So <laughs> then, our on our second day, we started with uh, we headed towards Hofbrow, or we went to the the Vittles Market, and then we were going to walk to Hofbrow. And then got distracted by a look at this giant church over here and ended up going up to the, the top of St. Peter's Church, which was 300 some stairs. Uh, like some were stone,
0: some were wood, some yeah. Were crooked. Yeah, f- like flight 13. <laughs> you're like, I, no, I put a lot of faith in these stairs <laughs> like, and myself. Like I was breathing hard. I was like, yeah. oh, Jade, I'm not as young as I used to be. And
1: I didn't know it's all right now. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, there were some parts that I was like, I can't imagine doing this if you're claustrophobic at all, because it got narrow enough where you almost had to turn sideways and like neither Rachel nor I are very broad people. And it was getting really close even yeah. for us. And I can't imagine what it's like there during like Oktoberfest or oh, the summer. Oh, God when there's like there's one way up and one way down yeah. and, and then you get to the top and you have these beautiful views of munich but you are outside and the walkway around the tower is it's like
0: three feet wide
1: <laughs> yes yeah, so you can't pass shoulder to shoulder with yeah. somebody like somebody yeah. wanted to get past us and i had to like flatten myself against the wall and like you're still like brushing yeah. fronts as they go by you that's how small and that this is like
0: is. not peak tourist season yeah, so, I mean, I can't yeah, there were imagine. like
1: six, maybe eight of us up there, and even that was like, okay, what is the weight limit of like this rickety platform that I'm on? And yeah, of the that's church? another really
0: good question because what and like what do people do when it's packed there? You just like step by step, waiting for the next person to go, or like yeah,
1: I I can't imagine. Although, so you do have to like get admission to go up. Yes. But there's nobody, like, counting the number of people coming down. Yeah,
0: maybe uh, in October, you, but...
1: Yeah, maybe so. That's yeah. that's a good point. Um, But yeah, then we went over to Hofbrau, and... Oh, that was, was my right. Yeah, I was going to say that was just a super cool experience, because again, like, you see pictures of it, and of course it has, like, this very rich, sometimes grim history, and then you're there, and you're like, this is it. Like, this yeah. is where these things happened, and... Yeah. It's just like the decor and everything is like, and the beer. okay, this
0: is Bavaria. The beer is so good. Like, I know, I know it's true that the beer is better at wherever it's from, but God damn. yeah. I was like, this is way better than any half-brown I've ever had. Right. Like, holy shit. It was like biting a piece of fresh bread the way yes. it tasted. Yes, that,
1: that is a perfect way to describe it. And it was the same way at like Schneider Weiss. Well, really at all of them yeah. tasting it and being like, oh, this is what it tastes like. Because yeah. of course, you know, in the States, there are good examples of German beers in the States, but it's oh, not sure. the same as Bavarian no. beer in Munich. And the, um, you know, our, our options here are you can go to places that are brewing those styles or brewing in that kind of in that spirit, or you can get imports And I mean, obviously we, and we've talked about this on the podcast before understanding that when you're buying, particularly if you're studying for something like Cicerone and you're buying commercial examples, like you really, you learn those styles, but you get a much richer education in all the different ways beer can be oxidized and abused in the process. And so being someplace like Hofbrow or Augustiner or Schneider and tasting the beer fresh is like holy
0: shit yeah i i I don't even know how to do that like it's so i don't even know how to do that like i could go make a german dunkel right now actually i'm making dunkelbach on thursday and it's not gonna have that fresh bread breadiness. i don't like i just have to be in germany i guess i don't
1: right well and you know i guess the flip side of that is we've got um two years, two and a half years ago when I went to Warsaw, I went to a few different like craft beer bars and craft breweries and they had like New England IPA on tap. And so, you know, tasting it, I was like, this tastes like a not great homebrew version, which is not at all to say that that's not, I'm, I'm not like indicting the skill of the brewers, but someplace like Europe, they have a really hard time getting things like American hops the same way that in yeah. the United States, we have trouble getting access to like these, and also like we're not Hofbrow, we're not yeah. Schneider. We don't get our pick of the very best noble hops, and so we do have that version here, kind of. You yes. know where if you go overseas and you have an American craft, a European version of an American craft beer, it's going, it's not going to taste the same as what is going yeah. to be like over here.
0: No, you're absolutely right. We also went to a uh, a nano brewery. Or maybe, maybe a little bit bigger than Nano, but a microbrewery in mm-hmm. Germany that was, you know, I, I say, like, uh, someone said the, the microbreweries are kind of like Efren Hoxabot, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. So, like, they'll brew, brew beers that are against Ren Hoxabot in Germany. You just have to label it like malt beverage. But uh, so there are beers that are brewed there that don't follow in Hoxabot. But the, when we did go there, we got a black IPA. And we were, we were both talking about how it's not quite black IPA, more like brown hop, you know, hoppy brown ale, maybe it was like, they just need to change this and this. And I, so I could see where you're, you're making that comparison. Cause you're very much right. Like for us, it's like, oh, just don't be scared of the roasted barley and don't be scared of the hops, which, right. I, which is a big, big thing. Like when, um, when they're over there making these American style IPAs or whatever, I think their bitterness hand is a little bit lighter than ours because that makes a lot of sense. It's like a a palette change for a lot of their customers. You don't want to just like dive right in. Um, You still want to sell the beer, you know, or, or, you know, being cautious as a brewer, which I know I've done that many times, add more later because you can't add less later.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's really insightful because the other part of that too, is that for you and I our brewing kind of heritage has been in the realm of when we were starting to drink craft beer, that's when everything was make it as bitter as you can. Yeah. This is American IPA and all of that. Whereas someplace like Munich has a much longer tradition of we use hops, like everything is in balance kind of thing. So I definitely can get when that's been where you've, you know, what your experience has been and what you've learned that you're not used to bittering things the way we are. And you're absolutely right that the clientele is probably also not used to drinking beers that are, that can seem out of balance or seem more bitter balanced than like our version of bitter is not the same as Bavarian version of bitter.
0: And you can definitely (laughs) see the clientele difference too. Like when we're in Hofbrauhaus or Somewhere like that versus the microbrewery. Like, mm-hmm. microbreweries, mostly people our age or younger. Right. You know, and then you would sit in this, you know, I remember we we're sitting in August Theater in this whole group of old, I say old people. I, I feel like I'm saying it being ass when I said that, but old, like very <laughs> older, generally, generally older people, like 60, right. 70 probably. Boomers,
1: yeah. Like,
0: yeah. But they, you know, they're, they're like, this is their experience. They got their leader and they fucking get leaders too. And I'm just like, I cannot d- like I want my beer to be not that warm when I'm done or getting close to halfway like I just Right, can't well, so do that. that's the
1: problem though is you don't drink it fast
0: enough. Oh, sorry, I didn't know that's a problem. <laughs> Trying to go all day.
1: Right. <laughs> that's something that Rachel and I talked about when we were there is again being in a country just like Belgium where beer is so much a part of the culture so much. that it's not a subculture yeah. like it is in the United States. It's prevalent and it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a really cool thing to be able to experience when that isn't, you know, that hasn't been what American culture has been um, for so long. And
0: see the old ladies like drinking their huge fucking Stein of beer, just like <laughs> I love you. Yeah. There, there was a couple times that Jen and I saw our future selves. Yeah. In, in music. we're like, that's gonna yeah. be us. Yes.
1: Really old. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, a, a lot of what we did was just kind of finding one beer place after another which yep. again is again is not to say that we're just like stumbling around drunk because <laughs> it's part of the culture there and actually martin um, talked to us about that because he had spent some time brewing with sister doris oh, and was so sharing cool. some of his stories about that and we'll have to do an episode on her at some point but you know one of the things he said that she talked a lot about is in german culture Drinking is part of the culture. Like enjoying it is part of the culture, yeah. not chugging it. And I think yeah. a lot of Europeans, and it seems like a lot of Germans, have the impression, which of course you would, of you know Americans like pounding Bud Lights. Like that's the culture. Um, that's yeah. the drinking culture in America. And for a long time, it really was. Um, that's changing gradually. But of course, that's going to take a while for the rest of the world to see us in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was one of the things that she talked about, about being a big difference is that someplace like Germany, the beer being part of the culture is not drinking it to get drunk or drinking yeah. it as fast as you can. Um, for that purpose, it's like you, you get inebriated as a side effect. That's not the point. Uh, so that, you know, that is, is kind of a difference I think between German culture that's what happens when you have a beer culture um, where it's more um, socially acceptable to
0: mm-hmm. do things
1: like you would have a vice beer with your eggs at
0: breakfast and that's yeah. fine yeah but that's all you know we, we did go to a museum
1: we did we went we did. to the Munich residence where we didn't have any um, alcohol there right <laughs> where our boy um, King Ludwig used to live. So the, the Munich residence is where the Bavarian royalty had lived for a long time is now a museum. And it was so cool. And I think there were a lot of times while we were there that I thought like, this really is a good time to be here because there aren't crowds. I didn't think that more often than when we were at the museum, because there were There was probably like 10 people there. I was just saying maybe 10 people.
0: And and And, every so often you are in a room with one other of of them. Like
1: yeah. A couple of times we got kind of like synced with a couple of other people. And it was like, Will you fucking get out of here? (laughs) We want to be in this room by ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was like very few people there. So you could walk into these rooms and you know they're completely empty, except for maybe like a docent. Um, But really the entire place was, you know, it's a palace, it's huge and it was super empty. So you got to take your time with things and, you know, read all of the things and like look at the ceiling and just kind of poke around and stuff without having a lot of people around you. Like, uh, so someplace like the Biltmore in Asheville or the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston where like you're in these grand houses and it's like, how did somebody have this many rooms or like how many dressing rooms do you need kind of thing, but you're like packed in with other people. So you just kind of shuffle along and you don't really get to like spend time as much time as you would like. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the Munich residence was amazing because it was just empty and you know, Rachel mentioned some of the pictures we got, that was another time that I was like, man, this is great. Cause I think one time we had to wait for this couple who was like a photo shoot in front of one of these things that Rachel and I were like, we just want one picture of this thing without you in it. And And we're going
0: to stand here because you're the
1: only person (laughs) ruining this for us. Right. Exactly. So yeah, we just stood there and waited. Uh, But like, that was really the only time there were so many times that even when we were walking, like the traffic was really light or something. So we'd be like crossing the street and I'd be like, okay, no traffic. I'm going to see in the middle of the street and take, take some pictures and like run <laughs> back out of the road. Uh, so it really was a, a super great time to be there. And I had so much cheese spetzel, casa spetzel. Yeah, that sounds right. Casa spezel. But, but yeah, uh, we had a
0: noodle dish with fried onion straws on it. Yes.
1: And all of the, if there was a potato product made wherever I, we were, I, Rachel and I got it. Yes.
0: <laughs> Guaranteed.
1: Yes. And we brought home, um, some really delicious mustard, some really good chocolate. my, um, I, I got a loaf of rye bread that I think weighed five pounds. <laughs> um, that was really good. It it survived the trip and it was, it was really Good. Good. And we brought back a little bit of beer. Not too much beer, but a little bit. Yeah. Um, Because, I, I, you know, I really try now, and this was definitely a March change for me starting a few years ago, I tried to stop like acquiring beer to take home with me when I traveled places and just enjoy it while it's there because it's not going to be the same experience, right? Mm -hmm. So I really didn't bring that much beer home because it was like the point of it is, you know, when we're in Hofbrau, when we're in Schneider, when we're in Hackershore or Polliner or any of those places is just to sit and enjoy oh, yeah. the beer in the setting and like take all of that in yeah, um, and not be like, I need to take this home because it's just not going to be the same.
0: Well, yeah. Plus you can get that stuff in the States, although not the same, but like we did get to go to see. So when I, when I opened up Pilot Brewing, Jeff and I went to Frankfurt and well, we went to Bamberg also, and we um, took a tour of Wireman, because we were customers. So we got to do this little private tour of Wireman, or we we're going to be customers. And this guy named Gregor was our tour guide. and He was super nice. He was like really interested in what we were doing because he wanted to go and do his own thing. And so he did, and he did it in Munich and he opened up a, a beer bar. So we got to go visit him. And that was super cool. It was, that was cool. awesome cool to see his journey opening it and then finally getting there. And he had his own beer that he contract brewed someone else's brewery. So I I brought some of those home and it was really good too. I think he was, when we tried it and he was describing it, I think he was worried that we thought it might be a little bit too not hoppy enough or caramel Ford or something, which well, caramel Ford is always my issue with IPAs. I don't, I just like them a lot more drier Mm -hmm. and it was good. It was nice and dry. Had the sea hops that, um, I, in my opinion, I could have used some more hops spoken like a true American, you know, and he, it was just like my example. He just played it safe and he, like, he even agreed that he could use more hops. And I'm just like, no, I get, totally get why you didn't go for it. Cause you know, let's not get crazy. Like us Americans. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. That was, and that was the first time I had met him, but um, it was really cool. It's always cool when you can go in and understand that this was somebody's dream to do. It was their journey. And, you know, and Rachel yeah. even said, like, when we were there, she was like, I'm really proud of you. This is super awesome to be able to see this. And it's cool to be able to show that off to people oh, yeah. as well. And yeah, just see the amount of pride and satisfaction he had in that. And then in, you know, in talking with the customers and like Rachel said, there was an English gentleman who was a regular, <laughs> Um, and you know, just them giving each other shit and stuff like this. And it was very much like this kind of neighborhood sort of feeling yeah. that was really neat. And it's not something that we were going to get anywhere, going else. To, yeah. like the bigger breweries, yeah. which is totally fine. We're not looking for that experience at some place like Hofbrau, but, um, it was really neat, a, a neat thing to be able to, to visit. And then walking from there to the craft brewery yeah. uh, was also like, you know just anytime you're walking through a city and especially some place like Munich where like everything is like cobblestones yeah and you know and it's all just everything is just so fucking quaint i can't <laughs> stand it and you know just walking through and being like this is it like we're living the life yeah <laughs> so yeah it was it was a really super cool trip and i really i I know I've already said this, but it, it, I've been really so grateful for you and Jeff for providing that. Oh.
0: <laughs> the other really cool thing um, about Munich is so easy. You just, you can get on the train right from the airport. You can put in exactly where do you want to go. You get off on the stop and it took us right to the city center.
1: Mm-hmm. We just
0: five minute walk to our hotel. And that's the way it was our whole trip. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, you could basically walk everywhere. And then at the end of the night, when we were drunk and, fat from being eating all the food we would just get a ho- taxi back to the hotel and i never paid more than 15 euros for a taxi ride yeah you know with tip like it right. was just so easy to get around and i know they have like their version of uber or lyft or whatever but i wasn't about to try it's it just a lot easier for me to ask someone to call a taxi but um yeah and then they're all there's also a great train system and subway system that you can jump on to to get to other places mm-hmm. but we, we didn't really have any, we were just staying in the city center, so we didn't really navigate all that, but yeah, very it easy was city.
1: a super cool trip that it was a, a really good amount of time also because we didn't have a ton of time, uh, but we had enough time. Like yeah, I never exactly. felt like we were rushed or we were missing out. Um, it's just, you know, especially when you're someplace like Munich, there were areas that we didn't get to explore, but again, we're there in very large part for the beer history and that yeah. was very close to where we were staying Yeah, and, and being able to, you know, go to all of those places and see all of that stuff, which is probably also informed our experience of being able to like have menus in English and, you know, and things like that. Um, so it was super cool. And that was definitely a, a trip of lifetime and I'm really oh, grateful yeah. that we got to do it and we got to go together. And Rachel and I said this numerous times of like how nice it is when you're traveling with somebody who has the same goals, uh, yeah. and like beer tourism is real. And uh, I like to, <laughs> yeah. if I'm traveling anywhere, I'm looking up like beer bars, breweries, places to go, uh, because you also get a really good sense of community, you know, outside of all of the kind of the touristy things. But, you know, when we're planning stuff, it was like yes, we need to go to like these five beer places. And if we don't do anything else, that's fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> just sitting there. You're just like, I'm so happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in Hofbrau. You're just like looking at everything. You're like, I'm so happy. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah. And we do have a few of our pictures up on our Instagram page of some of the Instagram. Only lets us post 10 pictures at a time. Um, and Rude. then if you're one of our Patreon subscribers, you got to see another picture in the uh, newsletter that went out for January. And I think we'll definitely, well, you're definitely going back to Munich next month. Um, but it's definitely a place that I'm yeah. excited to yeah. be able to go and and explore some more. But we have a lot of beer places yeah, to go so explore. We'll,
0: and we're going to take a trip every year because we can. Yeah. So we're going yeah. to. <laughs> maybe next yes. year will be London. Exactly. What our other option at the time. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for listening, for letting us share our Munich trip with you. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I almost said Instagram and social media, Instagram and Facebook <laughs> at Girls. You can email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. And you can learn more about joining our Patreon. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, falsebottomgirls.com. Off Wiedersehen.
0: All Wiedersehen.
1: <laughs> this has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the Bruin world go round.